Welcome to Idaho Catholic Podcast, coming to you from beautiful and faith-filled Western Idaho. In this podcast, we attempt to share a perspective relevant to modern life and grounded in the Catholic faith. My name is Deacon Pat, and the co-hosts today are Mike and Daryl. Hey, guys. Hey, Deacon Pat. Hey, Deacon. Hey, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves so the listeners know who is at the other end of those microphones? Oh, yeah. This is Mike Roberts. I'm in Caldwell, Idaho. I've uh, been married for almost 22 years. I have six kids, one on the way, and I am a uh, convert from uh, Protestantism. Um, been in the church since 2006. Wow, welcome, welcome. And on the other side of the table, um, under the, behind the uh, golden microphone. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Daryl Falkenberg. Um, I'm also a convert to the Catholic faith. I was uh, an agnostic before uh, converting. Uh, you could probably say that I was uh, a nun, not an N-U-N, but an N-O-N-E. And uh, yeah, I'm also a young adult. I'm 23. Wonderful. Welcome, guys. And I'm Deacon Pat. I'm one of the uh, permanent deacons at Arley of the Valley Parish. I was ordained about 10 years ago. I'm married to a beautiful holy lady. And we have three adult kids who are out of the house. So I guess, um, what are we classified? The empty nesters now? Nice. Yeah, and we have we have a little bit of history. We uh, we're from California originally. My wife and I lived in Guatemala for a while as full time missionaries, and we decided to land in Caldwell, Idaho. And where's Caldwell, Idaho? Well, it's probably the most beautiful place you've ever seen. You guys will agree, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, so we have a, a topic we want to share with you guys, <clears throat> and. We, we initially titled it, uh, How to Live a Catholic Life in the Modern World. But as we were kind of prepping, you know, we were doing our three-minute prep for this show, the same time as uh, Daryl was pouring his beer and Mike was pouring, what is that over there? Oh, it's called the Kraken. The, as he was pouring his Kraken, um, we did our three-minute prep session, and I think we wanted to retitle this Smart Catholicism. Is that right, Daryl? Yes. All right. So um, we're going to share with you guys uh, some of our thoughts about smart Catholicism. And when we were prepping for this, we really started thinking about how the faith is, is a deep faith. And there's, a, there's a, a beauty in that, but it's also problematic for some that it's such a deep faith. Um, we hear this question from time to time, hey, I think I want to be Catholic. Um, why can't I be Catholic tomorrow? <laughs> why, why can't I just be accepted into the church tomorrow? Do you guys have any thoughts about how you would answer that question if someone came to one of you and said, um, what you just shared with me about your faith sounds great, and maybe they're from a Protestant background, and they said, well, I want to join your, your church. Can I join tomorrow? That was totally me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when I so my my Protestant pastor converted, and you know, and I, I was blown away by it. Look, was looking into it for about a year, maybe more. And when I finally, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't think I was going to become Catholic. I thought I would just tweak a few beliefs here and there. I'd be good to go. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh boy, I got to become Catholic. Well, you know, I, I don't even know any besides the one that I, you know, my, my pastor. And so I called him up and I said, you know, what do I do here? Do I just show up to go to mass and I'm good to go? And he's like, no, 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 no. You've got to go through RCIA. And, and you know, I, I, I liken it to, you know, it's like you don't just get in a car and start driving. 
you got to learn how to drive the car and you know so you know what you're getting yourself into and catholicism you know and and, and is kind of like we want you to know what you're getting yourself into this is a total life change this is a total life system a, a belief system and we don't want we want you to go go in with your eyes wide open what do you think daryl um well it's kind of like like sports um how you don't just like pick up a basketball and just start shooting and become the world's best uh, basketball player you have to learn the rules of basketball and the, the the church has you learn about the truths of the faith before you decide that you're going to commit the rest of your life to this and it, it kind of uh yeah it, it kind of helps you out kind of um frees you a little bit by teaching you the truths of the faith but I went through RCIA the very first time and uh, I ended up at the very end of it saying that I did not want to be baptized at the end of it so I, I went through for about three months and I decided oh like I don't think I'm ready yet so mm. to the, the person who wants to just join tomorrow I think I I'm on the opposite end it took me a, a little while to really decide for sure that I was going to be Catholic so I ended up going through RCIA for uh, several months, and then I went through again for the full year and was eventually baptized at the end of that. And really what I learned throughout it is that you could study the Catholic faith your whole life. Right. You could just spend your whole life as a hermit, doing nothing but uh, reading all of St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine and all the, the spiritual masters of our tradition, and you would still after spending your whole life just being a hermit, only be only know a fraction of the faith, and you'd still know almost nothing. I can totally so, relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm sitting across the table from two guys that probably know their faith way better than I do. No, um, I learned from true. them quite a lot. Um, so. So back to this idea, this smart Catholicism, and, and maybe even under that umbrella, it's living this Catholic life in this modern world. How, how do we do that, you guys? Um, one of you mentioned a little while ago that um, community has something to do with being Catholic. And you would know this more than myself because I've never been a Protestant. Um, it, are there similarities with the Protestant faith of community? Is, does community take on maybe a little bit different meaning in the Catholic faith? Do you guys have any thoughts about that at all? Well, the you know, growing up, I, I call myself a, a, a cradle Protestant, right? I'm, I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday and went, you know, was always in the church. And, you know, every time the doors are opened, you know, my, my parents were, were dragging us or we were willing to go and, and, and enjoying it, you know, but we were in church all the time. And th there really is a, 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 a great sense of community, at least in the faith traditions that I grew up in. And I think you find those faith communities in the Catholic Church, too. Um, but the structure is, is a lot different. You know, I think when you, um, when you at, 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 as a Catholic, I think it was when I first came into the church, it was interesting to see how, you know, everyone seemed to show up at mass and then it was over, right? You just go get in your cars and go home. Whereas a Protestant, it was, 
there's more more there's more community through other things outside of just the Sunday morning attendance. But then in other Catholic communities I've I've been in, other parishes, there is a vibrant community life. Like here at Our Lady of the Valley in Caldwell, Idaho, we have what we call family ministry where the entire family is has has a a class to go to, including adults. And so we are building community through that. And I, I think that's um, one of the reasons why I, I really feel like uh, this, you know, Our Lady of the Valley has that great community. You know, one of the things to think about is, you know, because we're really looking at Catholic life in this modern world. And if you've ever known somebody who maybe questioned this aspect of a, of a Catholic marriage, this might uh, ring a little true to you. Um, when, when Catholics want to be married, and let's say the woman just has always visioned this wedding that she wants on the beach, or she wants in Hawaii, or in this very remote, beautiful place, um, if they want to have a Catholic wedding, they can't do that. Catholics are supposed to be married in their community, in their church. And the reason for that is marriages are not just about this man and woman marrying each other and making a commitment to each other. That is true as part of it. But they're also getting married in this community. It's, it's a public presentation of their vows that they are marrying one another within this community and to be a part of this community. There's a permanence to the Catholic faith. When we do things in, in our uh, Catholicism, there's a permanence to this community. That's why we are also obligated to go to Mass every Sunday. One is because of who is there and who, who we're approaching and who we're receiving at the Mass. And to just choose to turn away from Christ would, would, is, you know, is, is a sin in itself. But it's really to participate in that community. God is present in that community. And you're obligated to be present in that community. And I don't know if that's quite the same in other faiths. That Because I know a lot of people that when they feel inspired to go to church, these are not Catholics, when they feel inspired to go to church, they go to church. If they get tired of going to their certain church, they just go to another church. Um, that's foreign for Catholics because it's like walking away from your family. This is your community that's there. So I want to share that, that thought with you guys. Do you have any other thoughts about community that's on the top of your mind? If not, go ahead. Well, the, the, one of the things we talked about was, I don't know if it was John Paul II that coined the term the domestic church. And that's something that's vital to, we, 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 you know, Catholics are known as having large families, right? And they're like, oh, you got six kids? Oh, you must be a Catholic or a, or a Mormon, right? So, you know, the community can also be just within your family and living out the faith in your family. Do you have a, like, a, what, like a home liturgy where you, you go through the day with your family and you're, you're, you're praying together before meals, at bedtime, you're reading scripture, uh, the, the Catholic faith is meant to be lived out and implemented into all facets of life, including your home life. I think that's why it's so important that we um, really train our children in, in really the basics of the faith 
And I don't know about, um, Daryl might not know this because he hasn't had any kids, but, um, you know, children really learn much more by your actions and how you model things than your words. Yes, words are important, but it's really the routine of that family life, doing things the same way over and over and over again and explaining why you do those. I remember Father Flores once said, though, it's more important to do things than to explain things. And he said one day in, in church, he was talking about the kids, and he was saying, you know, you don't always have to explain why you're doing things to your kids. Just tell them, we do those things because we're Kearns, and Kearns do that. Or, or we do that, we do things this way because we're Roberts, and Roberts just do those things. And, and he really saw the importance of really teaching by example. And I think that's really a big part of our Catholic faith is doing things a certain way. Um, with, the, with the concept of teaching your kids, both by word and example, when I went to college, uh, the college that I went to was supposedly a 20 or 25% Catholic who went there, but there was probably about five people who actually went to Mass. And one thing that I noticed was a lot of the students who were attending this college they hadn't they really just hadn't learned what their faith was and so the very first time they met an objection by a professor the first time that they were given a reasonable uh, argument against the faith they immediately abandoned it mm. and, I, and I think it's because they they weren't they weren't taught so yeah I, th I think that's really important what you're saying about uh, teaching and teaching through example. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we, our, our, our title, you know, Smart Catholicism, we want to be smart. We want to, the reason our CIA is nine months long is because we want people to know their faith. Mm -hmm. We want them to be, quote unquote, smart about it. And, you know, even if like it, your, your hypothetical situation there of the college student meeting the professor who had some, you know, say, say the atheist professor who, spouts off some supposed scientific proof that God doesn't exist, you know, even if they're, you know, not, even if they don't have the five proofs of God by Thomas Aquinas completely memorized and, and thoroughly, you know, thought out and, and eloquent, can repeat them eloquently, if that student knows that those exist and knows them at a cursory um, level, in th at least they won't completely abandon the face because they'll know, they'll know that, hey, there's actually a response to this out there. I may not know it and be able to explain it up in front of a classroom like, like this professional professor can, but at least I know it's out there. Yeah, and they would take the faith seriously too. The this, this kids would. Mm -hmm. The students would because they know that those arguments are out there. And yeah, I, I, see, I see today people not taking the faith Seriously, young people not taking right. it seriously, right? Engaging the culture in what are the hot topic, hot topic issues of today, and do we know how to defend the church's teaching on things like abortion, you know, so-called gay marriage, um, uh, what, what what else? Euthanasia, Athe euthanasia. There mm -hmm. you go. You know, there's all these these topics out there that I think our culture is is hitting us with. And it's up to us to, I think it's up to the church to, 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 to teach, you know, us how to defend our faith. But I think also in this, especially those of us who live in America and other 
you know, countries where the internet is readily available or the, or Catholic answers is easily, uh, available on radio or, or YouTube, you know, on the internet. It's like, we can arm ourselves. We can learn ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, learn, learn the faith ourselves. You know, I was listening to, uh, Father Mitch Paqua on, uh, must have been on Catholic radio the other day. And he was explaining why really there's a crisis in our, in our Catholic church right now. And, and um, thank God for Daryl's generation, because I think they're coming back around and they're saving our church in, in, in some respect. Um, although I don't think God would ever let it fail. <laughs> but um, in my generation, I'm in my 50s. Um, this was, um, I'm a result of what happened in Vatican II. <clears throat> Not that Vatican II was bad. It made some changes in, in the church. But it was what those changes were perceived to be, not what they actually were, but what they were perceived to be, made a lot of changes with the education of the children in the faith. Father Mitch Paqua was talking about how the people who developed the curriculum to teach the children the faith after Vatican II were convinced, although this wasn't part of Vatican II, that the children were not capable of learning these concepts, so they weren't going to teach the children the basic concepts of the Catholic faith until they got older. Well, when they got older, um, they really disengaged from religious education, and they never learned their faith at all. And then they, these people um, you know, grew up, and they had children, and then they became really the teachers of their children who didn't know their faith. And so here we are with small, smart Catholicism with people that don't understand their faith. Now, luckily, the, the, the younger generation is coming around, and they want to know the answers to their faith. And Daryl could probably speak to this a little more because he fits in that generation, but they're, they're fervent for the faith. They're desiring to know the answers of the faith, and, and really by digging in and really being a contrast to what is out in society in the modern world, they're shining like bright lights for all of us to see. Daryl, do you want to jump in at all? And, yeah. And what you, how you can add to that? If you if you ask a lot of young people, what do you want the church to be giving you? So many of them are going to tell you that they want apologetics, um, that they want to learn more about the faith. And it's, it's interesting because it, it seems that these young adults, they're saying that they want to learn more about the faith. But then when you ask a lot of, of older adults, what do young people want? They seem to think that they want this kind of watered-down, um, primarily emotive Catholicism. And what happens with that is um, these—well, it, it's interesting because think of it like this. In school, uh, young people have to do math, and they don't necessarily always like learning about math. But no teacher would ever say, well, the, the young people don't— really like learning about math so we're just gonna kind of instead of playing math we'll just play a game and teach them that uh, math is like this really nice cuddly loving thing and then that we'll just call it good or like um, a lot of young people don't like necessarily learning English but that doesn't mean that the teacher goes well um, they don't really like reading a whole bunch they especially don't like reading all these boring books we're just gonna not have them we're just going to teach them that, you know, these books are nice and cuddly. Um. <laughs> what what would be the end product, though, of, of something but, like that, do you think? But, uh, yeah, what happens when you apply that to catechism 
is the kids, yes, they learn that God is love and that the church accepts them and that uh, they have a home in, in the church and so forth. But then they end up not really knowing why they're Catholic. They don't know why they belong to this community. And then they almost inevitably leave when they get older, when they first hear these objections. So yeah, young people, I think, do want to be challenged and mm-hmm. they do want to have um, rigor in the faith. They, they want to be challenged. They want to learn and they're, they want to be proud of their faith and they want to know why they should be proud of it. You know, that they're so attacked though. You know, I have a daughter who's just graduating uh, college in a couple of weeks and this really doesn't, I'm not saying this has to do with her, but I was looking at some studies about college students and I think the last thing I read was, um, I don't want to exaggerate, I'm Irish. I, a lot of times I'll, exa- <laughs> I'll exaggerate. But I think, um, honestly, it was something like Catholics who go away to the university, it's 80 or 90% of them stop going to Mass by the time they finish college. So what is happening to them at these universities? Is it because they don't know their faith and they're challenged in, in the university? Do you guys have any thoughts about this at all? Well, it's because they don't know it and they're challenged. Mm -hmm. And another reason, you mentioned Father Flores earlier. I remember Father Flores giving a homily one time explaining how important fathers are in the faith. And you were were talking about how Father Flores um, has spoken his homily about leading by example, not so much saying, but doing. Um, I think a lot of these young people going to college haven't had parents, especially fathers, who show an interest in the faith. So if you know if you, if you do if you want your kid to stay in the faith, one thing you could do is actually uh, go to mass and actually uh, show your kid that you love the faith too and and lead by example, especially as a father. Yeah, because what's the divorce rate? Is it isn't it still around 50% of 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 marriages end in divorce? So mm-hmm. what does that do to the kids? Mm-hmm. I did hear someone once say and this really is in line with evangelization. They were saying, and, and I'm going to mess this up. I'm paraphrasing. Um, but it's something about if you teach a child the faith, you know, they might learn something about it. But if you teach the child and the mother the faith, uh, the mother will have some influence, but not much on the child. But if you teach the father the faith and the father embraces the faith, the whole family will be converted and nourished. And And it really speaks to the power of the example of the father, the father as the head of the household. And that's what we believe. Um, it's, it's not in a, in a macho way. I, the Catholics really believe in different roles, equal roles amongst the men and women, but distinct roles. The mother is the heart of the home and the father is the leader of the home. And, and I think for all of these families that don't have fathers around, they've lost that leader. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe these children are lost. They're lost in the world. They have a desire and they're seeking, but you know how powerful the modern world is. And what are they trying to teach? A lot of that is anti-God. Mm-hmm. Um, the eighties, I, I work in the mental health field and in, in the eighties, they really destroyed a lot of people. They call it the psychology of the eighties. And oh, really, no. yeah. And, <laughs> and really what they did was, um, they really taught that if it if it feels good, it's good. If it if it makes you feel good, then that's something that you should continue to do. 
because life's all about feeling good. They lost the essence of right and wrong, Hmm. just and unjust, you know, what's prudent, what's not prudent. It really was dwindled down to if it feels good, it must be good. Mm -hmm. And it really messed up a lot of people. Hmm. I think I got off topic a little bit (laughs) with that. So what about this whole pro-life thing? You hear about pro-life with the Catholic Church. Um, A lot of times when people who maybe aren't Catholic, they hear pro-life, the first thing they think about is abortion. Those Catholics are against abortion. But isn't there more to pro-life with someone being pro-life than just babies in the womb? What do you guys think? Is there, um, like both of you as parents, is there something about being pro-life as as fathers, as parents, instilling well, I, those I, values? I, th- I, think, I think instilling the value that all life has dignity. And I was sharing with someone the story the other day, and you know, I was really reflecting on my dad. My dad's been gone for, for quite a while now. Um, and he was just a very powerful, holy man. He's from that generation that they didn't preach, but they taught by example. And I remember walking out of church one day. This was at St. Joseph's Church in Marysville, California. And there were always bums around. Anyway, we, we were walking out of church, and there was a bum sitting out at the bottom steps. And you could tell he was an alcoholic. He kind of reeked of, of alcohol. And uh, he looked pretty pitiful. And uh, he was begging for, for money. And, and we, we were pretty poor. I had, I had five brothers, and my dad was a teacher. And we didn't really have a lot. But he reached into his pocket and uh, got out a dollar bill and he gave it to the to the bum and I said dad he's just gonna go buy alcohol with that and my dad says yeah he's going to but you know he's in he's in pain right now he's suffering right now and us Catholics you know we, we we should be caring about people who are in pain and suffer I can't control what he does but I can control what I do and this is an act of love for him. And that really has, I've carried that. He's been gone a long time now. But there's a lesson in there that we can't control people's actions, but we can really treat them with love. My dad saw the dignity in that bum as a person. He's, he has a soul. And my dad can't control his choices in life, but he can control how he views him and how he sees them. So I think teaching our children that all people have dignity in life, that's, that's really our role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, my, my first four kids are boys, and I had two girls. And, you know, it's, it's been a challenging, I think, for my boys to learn that you have to treat girls differently. You know, girls have a certain... <laughs> certain uh, uh, how do I say this? Like a different type of dignity. <laughs> we never learned that in our house. We had no girls. <laughs> you know, you can't just you you can't treat your little sister like like you treat other guys. And I th- so I think that you know we, we I want to teach my boys that that to to treat women with respect, and not only your mom but all women are treated with respect. And if I think if you start at a young a young age. You know that it it is going to help teach that. You know you can't just wait until your kids. You know my boys are dating. Oh, oh, by the way, you have to teach women 
treat them treat them with respect it's like no it's got to start immediately and and would you agree mike that um your words maybe have less power than your actions what what do you think about that oh yeah if they, i mean if they see me you know yelling at janelle or 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 my my little girls i mean what 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 effect are my words going to have on them when i tell them not to do it you know it's definitely words uh actions speak much louder than words Daryl, a little while ago, you were talking about something, and this was probably in our in our three minute prep before <laughs> before the podcast. But you were saying um, something about the importance of interpreting the culture and engaging the culture. Could you share a little bit about that? Um, yeah. Um, so if if we're talking about uh, smart Catholicism, um, one thing that would be important to do, I think, would be to have a have a have a strong, confident Catholic faith, um, but also to be able to engage the culture, and by that I mean to to be able to read read the culture in light of our Catholic faith, and so um, I looking around at a lot of young people, I noticed that. Um, they're they're not very able to do that. They they seem to have a dichotomy of you either embrace the culture entirely and buy into everything that the culture teaches you or bunker down and just I'm Catholic and they're not and that's the end of it. So yeah, I, I think uh just engaging the culture, uh finding Christ in the culture, but not just giving up not not just saying that the culture is right. always good but really rigorously engaging it in movies music in uh, in everything well you can probably tell by the music coming on we've come to the end of our our show i'd like to thank you both uh, daryl and mike for being part of the show and you our audience i'd like to thank you for listening to idaho catholic podcast a weekly reflection and discussion on living the faith in the modern world We hope you have a wonderful and God-centered week full of peace, happiness, and joy. May God forever keep you. Until next week, God bless.